0: feel humbled and honored to bring one of my gifts this morning, a message that uh, God actually put on my heart, like way back last winter I was sitting here listening actually to uh, Tom preach and God just dropped this right into my spirit, just kind of came fully fleshed out almost and uh, um, God told me what to, to speak on so I feel very humbled and honored to get to share that. I'm, I'm starting a uh, four-week series called Restoration of Community. Restoration of Community. And that is, uh, we'll do the PowerPoint, that's part of our 90 Days of Community. Last week at our big celebration service, Pastor Sam announced that uh, we're going to have 90 Days of Community. Now, that does not mean that for 90 days we try really hard to be a community, and then at the end of 90 days, whoo, going back to being selfish. All right, feels good to be selfish once again. No, it's not. Uh, you know, after after Labor Day, selfishness gets to come back. That's not how we're we're gonna do it. But uh, for 90 days we are gonna try to explore this theme. We're gonna challenge ourselves, challenge one another, and to really understand community, start practicing community. And to start off these 90 days, I've got a message that's going to take about four weeks to unfold called Restoration of Community. And uh, just to give you a little hint of of how I'm going to unfold it, um, next week I'm going to start digging into some of the the roots of why we withdraw from one another and God's antidote to, to bring us back together. Uh, the week after that, two weeks from now, I'm going to explore the really uh, difficult issue that I'm, I'm most scared to, to share about that one, but the difficult issue of what do we do when community violates us? Because if we're honest, we've all been hurt, we've all been violated by community, and it's something we have to address if we're going to actually be an authentic community. So that's two weeks from now. Please pray for me, especially for that one. I'm scared to preach it. Uh, and then, uh, uh, th- uh, three weeks from now, on our fourth and final week, um, I'm going to kind of pull it all, all together. Today, I'm just going to lay some foundations uh, for community. Now, just to remind us a little bit about where we've been, I'm sure everybody here could shout out what our theme is for the year. Yes, Year of Restoration. And, you know, we spent the first couple months of this year, um, uh, Pastor Tom and Pastor Dave, uh, shared with us uh, about a personal direct restoration to God. So that, that's kind of how we started. We explored the prodigal son, fabulous messages on being restored directly to God. And then when Pastor Jim returned from his sabbatical, he, uh, helped us, uh, explore the idea of res- restoration to our roots. The idea of a radical shift, um, back to our roots, uh, by taking us again through the Gospel of Mark. And then, a little bit later, then, then just this last month, we've been exploring a restoration of our purpose. Anybody remember what was the, what was the question Pastor Jim kept asking us again and again all this last month? You're not supposed to answer it, Pastor Jim. No. somebody else. One month to live. What if you had one month to... Well, you're an elder. You don't count. Somebody else. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. One month to live. What would you do if you had one month to live? How would you leave a legacy for Christ if you just had one month to live? Absolutely perfect question to ask. And so now we're going to get down to some brass tacks. We're going to get down to where this gets practical. And that is a restoration to community. A restoration to community. Now, uh, my message actually got preached last week during the baptism service. So, if you were there at the baptism service um, and you heard what we, we introduced, we welcomed some new members into our congregation, and those two new members actually preached my whole message. So, if that got recorded somewhere and you don't want to listen to me for the next four weeks, just go. Get that recording and or ask those people, but uh, seriously, um, two of our new members, Miriam and Andrew Hill, preached my message. Miriam Hill said, uh, when they became new members last week, they said, we're throwing in our lot with you. Kind of sounds like a marriage vow, almost, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. Uh, we're, we're doing this together. We're doing this crazy adventure thing uh, of following Jesus on this side of eternity. We're going to do it together. And so, so she preached half of it, and then Andrew Hill, when he became a new member, he said something really crazy. He said, the church is God's answer to the world. The church is, God, is God's answer to the world. Now, coming from our perspective of 20th century, 21st century, now sorry, a little behind, 21st century, that sounds crazy. The church is the is the answer to is God's answer to the world I mean are sick dying, filled with pussy wounds, broke sores brokenness church is the answer huh uh, you know isn't the church badly failing at her mission isn't she compromised isn't she unfaithful um, isn't it you know a revolution supposed to be a political revolution isn't that supposed to be God's answer to the world or Or if you're on one end of the political spectrum, isn't more government intervention God's answer to the world? Or if you're on the other end of the political spectrum, isn't less government intervention God's answer to the world? I mean, what? But, you know, the fact is, if, if, if we're gonna take the Bible seriously, the answer to this is, actually, yes, the church is God's answer to the world. And I'm, I'm gonna, unpack that a little bit today and over the next few weeks. How on earth is that possible? How could the church be God's answer to the world? I mean, this broken, limping, uh often straying church with all of her faults, all of her shortcomings, all of her bruises, all of her bumps, all of her warts, she's actually God's answer. So... um so that's, that's kinda what I'm gonna start digging into today. That's getting annoying for everyone, I'm sure. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm in seminary right now, and in seminary, I don't have time to read everything I'm supposed to read, and so I skim most of it, but I pray, God, make, make it, whatever I'm actually supposed to get out of this, please make it just stick, okay? And, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. <clears throat> I just make it stick. Well, the Holy Spirit, Answers that prayer, and he made something. St- a couple years ago, there was a book I was reading. One of my feels like it's thousands. It's not actually thousands, but uh, one of the books I was reading by a, a, a very wise Asian pastor from Singapore named Simon Chan. He uh, had this this line in his book, and th- this was the line. He it says, the more perfect or the more perfected in love, the saint becomes the greater the identification with the church. The closer the union with God, the stronger the bond with Christ's body. Sainthood is perfected in communion with others, never apart from it. All right, I'm going to... Repeat it again, even though it's up there for you. The more perfected in love the saint becomes, the greater the identification with the church, the closer the union with God, the stronger the bond with Christ's body. Sainthood is perfected in communion with others, never apart from it. And that just lodged into my spirit, and it's been working on me and grating, mostly grating against me, but working on me for years now, deeply challenging me. And, and, and this is true. He's summarizing 2,000 years of Christian teaching here, and, uh, and, and th- this is really true. So I'm, I'm going to try to help us understand this a little bit better, because, see, there's this, there's this delusion among Christians. It's been around since the beginning, And unfortunately, it especially impacts churches like ours, Pentecostal churches. You know, we we really emphasize that personal relationship with God, and that is good. That's a good emphasis. We should emphasize that. But sometimes you combine that with American individualism, and we, in Pentecostal churches, we we think that we can have this direct personal relationship with God without the body of Christ, without being connected with other Christians. And... I'm just gonna I'm gonna start off saying you know calling it like it is. That's a delusion. That's a that's that's actually a delusion. Now now this gets really personal for me, you guys, because you see, I am an introvert, okay? And an introvert, I finally come to embrace my introversion. I'm, I'm okay with it now. But introverted, it, just the the euphemistic way to say it is, I, I I get my energy from being alone, from being by myself. I have a voracious appetite to be alone by myself. I could be alone with myself just uh, endlessly almost. And so when I read things like this, I just, it's, it, it, it feels, it's hard not to feel a little bit beat up by that, um, to be quite honest. Um, and, and God in his sovereignty has not seen fit for me to live an introvert's life. Um, I have a wonderful family, entirely made up of extroverts, who all want to be with me. All the time. All the time. So, if, if, if you're an introvert too, or if, if, uh, phrases like, passages like this, uh, if they challenge you, um, if community is hard for you, I get you. I am with you. I totally understand. Uh, and, and so it's a little bit ironic that God wants me to share this message, but he wants me to share it. He wants me to share it. And, you know, this, this really is biblical. I, I could, I could, this sermon after, I could, I could spend, uh, I mean, more than four weeks ch- drawing from the Bible, showing us how this is truly biblical. I'm, I'm just going to bring out the big guns first. I'm going to get it over with the big guns. Um, 1 John we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. And John also meant sisters in there. Because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. John just says it like it is. And John says a little bit later in his same, same uh, letter, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. He has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And this really challenges me because, and, and it's, it's challenging for churches like ours, Pentecostal churches that really emphasize this personal relationship with God. Because a lot of times, you know, we can be feeling all these warm fuzzies with God, Woohoo, I'm loving God! I love Jesus!" And, and yet turn right around and dismiss or uh, um, fail to love our brother or sister in some way. And, and God says that, j- that just doesn't go together. Sorry, it just doesn't go together. No matter no matter how Deep and strong those feelings are uh, when you're alone with God. They might be the most incredibly strong feelings ever, but if it doesn't translate into loving brothers and sisters, they're probably not real. So, okay, so I'm going to jump into these foundations here, um, and I hope this will uh, challenge us all to action. I'm hoping it'll challenge me to greater action. I'm a work in progress, too, so I'm struggling myself. But um, uh, foundation number one that we need to get straight, community imitates God. Community imitates God. The number one reason why community needs to be important to us is because community is an imitation of of God. This sounds really weird. This is 100% biblical truth, though. <clears throat> God is a community. Did you know that? God is a community. And it's annoying you too, isn't it? Okay. <clears throat> I'd say I thought it was eye-catching, but everyone's like, oh, I'm getting a headache. Um, <laughs> God is a community. Um, anyone know what I'm talking about if I say God is a community? Yes, Marilyn? Right, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, God is a community. The Trinity, okay? And I'm going to talk about this just a little bit more, but did you know God is actually a community? So if we want to say, I want to be just like Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, I want to follow God, guess what you're actually signing up for? You're actually signing up for becoming like He is a community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit loving each other from the ver- from before the beginning of time, constantly in communion with one another. That's what we're actually signing up for when we're signing up to I want to look like Jesus. Foundation number 2, we become like him only in community. There's zillions of passages I could I could draw on here, but I just want to focus on this one. We, we often t- use the phrase "I'm uh, being transformed into the image of Christ," or "I want to I want to start reflecting Christ more in my life." We use that phrase a lot. Well, that comes from this passage here that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and this is what Paul writes. He says, "And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord." who is the Spirit. That should sit with you for a little bit. What, what that means, it means a couple things. One of the things it means is it's when, when we talk about being transformed in the image of Christ, we're not really talking about individuals looking more like Jesus so that we can point to someone and say, wow, he really looks like Jesus. Wow, she really looks like Jesus. We're actually talking about the community looking more like Jesus. That's actually what this passage is talking about. We're all being transformed. It's the whole community that's starting to look more and more like Jesus. I'm going to uh, get to this just a little bit more in, in a moment. Um, now, our, our secret prayer time, our, our private Bible study, our independent devotional time, that's all important, that's all good, okay? Okay. But the real means, God's main means for making us all look more like Jesus is the community. That's the main means of making us more like Jesus. Now, I don't want you to think, well, I don't have to have private Bible study anymore. Oh, I don't don't have to pray to God alone anymore. I'm not saying, keep doing that. Keep pressing into that. But I'm saying God's main means for making us all look more like Jesus is the community. That's God's mean means. Foundation number three, we live in him and bear fruit for him only in community. okay? Now we imagine um, you know our, our life in Christ as sort of our private life in Christ. or we imagine when we hear the phrase bearing fruit for Christ, we imagine, our own individual fruit that we bear for Christ. That's good. That's important. That's, that's part of the recipe. Don't lose that. But, actually, um, Jesus, when, when he, I'm gonna bring up this verse here. Unfortunately, this is, this is kinda sad. This totally gets lost in English translation because in English we don't do this anymore to our pronouns. But, when Jesus writes, Remain in me, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. To, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. When Jesus says you, when he's commanding his disciples to bear fruit, he's not telling them individually, John, you bear fruit. Peter, you bear fruit. Andrew, you bear fruit. He's telling them as a group you bear fruit. Okay? All of you, as a group, as a whole, you bear the fruit I'm wanting you to bear. And uh, so I, I, I'm learning just enough Greek to be dangerous, but one of the things that's very obvious is that that word you, we, most other languages do this. We don't do this anymore in English. The word you is a plural you. It's not Individual you, individual you, individual you. It's you, the group, the community, my new community that I've just created here. You've just spent, you've been walking with me for the last three and a half years, my disciples, this new, and, and the community's gonna grow. You as a community, bear the fruit that I want you to bear. It's, it's, it's really, we've been individualists in America for so long, we can't even heart, we hardly can get our, I can hardly get my mind around this. He's talking to the group. You as a group bear fruit for me to my Father's glory. Okay? So, very important foundation. We live in him and bear fruit in him only in community. Um, And and I just want to, just so you know, this isn't just isolated to to John's writings. Um, I, I just want you to think about the Lord's Prayer. God's really been challenging me about this lately. Uh, you know, this is really foundational. But I for years, I was praying the Lord's Prayer. My Father in heaven, give me my daily bread. Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. That's actually not what it says. That's not what Jesus told his disciples how to pray it. He said, Our Father, give us Today, our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how a whole community forgives. other I don't know how that works. But that's what Jesus said. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, I, I'm going to get into this more next week and the following week when I talk about what happens when community violates us. But I have a friend who was horribly violated by a Christian community. Not not this one, but um, horribly violated by a Christian community. And she was just begging God, you know, heal me. How, what do I do? And this is how, what the Lord, the Lord healed her with a single word, not just a verse, a single word from this passage. It was the word our. Our Father. Our. That word... Healed the brokenness she was experiencing from Christian community because with that one word our, the Holy Spirit revealed to her this other person who has hurt you and these people who've hurt you. It's all, it sounds so crazy, but we're all in this together, and and we need to make this work as a community. So that one word, that this praying this way will heal you. It really will. Okay, foundation number four. We reveal God to the world only in community. We reveal God to the world only in community. Uh, now, um, Yongxuin, when he came up here, anybody recall in his testimony, what was the first thing that kind of hooked him? He didn't understand it or believe it yet. Anybody in his testimony? What was the first thing that? Don't answer, young. What? Yeah. Yeah. These people seem nice. Okay. He saw an alternate, radically alternate community that was unlike what he'd grown up with, was unlike what he experienced in the culture at large he started encountering a community of people who were nice, who were friendly, who were joyful. He saw that. okay. And, and many of you maybe can, can look back, and and especially if you came to Christ later in life, maybe you can think back to how it was observing Christians interacting with each other that was that hook that gave you that foretaste of the glory of Jesus. Um, and actually, probably several people in this room, many people in this room could give testimony to that. Um, but it's really the community together that was intended to reveal God to the world. Um, Jesus says at the end of his, it, we, we call this his high priestly prayer, um, this this prayer he makes in John 17 utterly uh, blows me away because in, in this prayer in one of the few spots in scripture, you actually, he kind of like, God like pulls away the veil and you get this insight into heaven. And more than that, you get this insight into the Trinity. You get this insight into how the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have been interacting with each other, uh, for eternity. And so you get this little window through John 17 about how God interacts and, and when in that that sort of zenith or that that summit, that pinnacle of God's revelation of himself, Jesus prays to the Father, may they be brought into complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Alright? So that that really, that's God's intention is that the world's going to find out about him through us, not us individuals, though God uses individuals, obviously, but through us as a community. And you know what? This is how the church is God's answer to the world. I I started off this message by saying the church is God's answer to the world. This is how the church is God's answer to the world. Um, God himself is the answer to the world. But the world only comes to know him through the community acting like, behaving like the community. So that's how the church, you know, there's, it's a broken world, world's in a big mess, some people think it's getting worse, uh, it, you know, a lot of times it sure looks like it, it's, it is, it is a harsh world, a difficult world, lots of brokenness, a lot of failure, and God's answer isn't a great big revolution, God's answer, isn't through a political uh, means of one end of the spectrum or the other. God's answer is to say, look, world, here's a foretaste of me. This is a revelation. Guess, guess what? I'm the answer to the world, and and here's what it looks like. Look at this church. Look at the church. And you get this little glimpse of what I'm like through looking at the church. That might feel like a very heavy weight of responsibility. Fortunately, amazingly, wonderfully, uh, God himself, through God the Holy Spirit, is here with us, and in him we live and move our, and have our being. And we can actually live the way he wants us to live us as we walk in step with the Spirit. I'm I'm gonna talk more about that next week. So just to, to summarize very quickly, Foundations, number one, community imitates God. God is a community, the Trinity. Foundation number two, we become like him only in community, and and actually as a community, we become like him. Foundation number three, we keep his word and fulfill his conditions only in community. And number four, we reveal God to the world only in community. So, that is... Beginning of 90 days of, uh, 90 days of community. And I, I, I want to end with a, a bit of a challenge to you. Now, as a staff, we have been talking for months, okay, how, how do we facilitate community? How do we get it going? How do we stir it up? How do we improve it? What do, what do we, what do we do? You know, there's all kinds of kind, uh, sort of artificial things that the staff at church could try to do to make community happen. But instead of trying to impose something artificial on top, you know, from on top down on everybody and say, all right, everybody's going to go through this program, or everybody's going to call, we're going to give you a list of ten neighbors and you're going to call them all this week. Or, you know, something, instead of something artificial like that, Instead, I want to start these 90 days off by issuing a challenge to all of us. A challenge. And the challenge is, take these 90 days. There's, there's less programming at church. There's less big events at church. There's, there's, there's much less of that going on. And so take this opportunity of a, of a more freed up calendar, a more freed up schedule. Take the opportunity to do something. To reach beyond yourself something to break out of your shell something to go beyond yourself now this might be for some of you the holy spirit might lead you to do outreach beyond these four walls um might you know ask you to do something even kind of crazy like strike up a conversation with a grocery store clerk or the person next to you in the coffee shop or um uh you know, somebody you haven't met before, strike up a conversation, tell them your testimony. Uh, it, it might be something like that. It might be something like uh, an outreach to a neighbor who you've never talked to before. It might be a, a re-outreaching to that neighbor who you've talked to but won't talk back to you. Um, it might be going to National Night Out later in the summer uh, for the first time in your life. It might be, it might be praying and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal a way to bless your neighbor. Cut their grass, um, for them, just unexpectedly, uh, leave them a note about how much you appreciate them, the things you like about them as a neighbor. Uh, I, I mean, this, there are endless possibilities, but I am trusting, we are trusting that if you, if we would each get on our knees and pray, Holy Spirit, show me how I can break out of me and reach beyond myself, uh, to to in some way bless or touch or be with somebody, okay, it might be an inreach. It might not be an outreach beyond our four walls. For some of you, it might be an in-reach. That means there's somebody on the other side of the church who you never talk to, or you don't even know their name. Uh, and you, instead of when someone says, let's all greet each other, instead of you sort of standing there, you know, just to the people next to you shaking hands, You actually like get out of your seat and like walk around, and you come all the way back here and say, "Hi, how you doing? I'm Andrew." Or uh, don't say you're Andrew unless you're actually Andrew, by the way. That'll turn people off. Um, uh, You know, it might be, um, uh, uh, you know, so it might be something like that. Introducing yourself to someone uh, you don't know. It might be inviting somebody over. Might be taking our new directory, and we actually have email addresses now in the directory, which is great. Uh, but, you know, open that up, looking through it and like, I don't know that person. I'm, I'm actually going to call that person up and invite him over for a barbecue or, uh, you know, I've never met this person and, and, and going beyond yourself, reaching out to somebody else, uh, and do an in-reach into the community. Um, it might be, it might be something really big and dramatic, like some, I know some people are planning on doing, a. Backyard Bible study, uh, a backyard Bible club for kids in their neighborhood. So something might be something big like that. It might be for the very first time in your life, you actually call somebody up from the church you've never called before. And, and for some of you, uh, that is a big step. Go for it, okay? Later, at the end of summer, early fall, sometime in there, we're going to try to... Uh, open up some time to listen to people's testimonies of how the Holy Spirit has led different ones of us, different families among us, different single people among us, to reach out beyond ourselves, all right? We're going to open up some time and we're going to listen to each other. Some people are going to have these like, wow, dramatic things. Other going to be, it's going to appear small and, and tiny, but it's still going to be wow in God's eyes it's going to be a time these 90 days of community is going to be a time of reaching beyond ourselves to somebody else some people for some families that outreach or that inreach might actually be inside your own family striking up a conversation with one of your children with a spouse even maybe there's this frigid wall there you haven't you know broken for years i don't know uh, i don't know it's going to be different for everybody but I trust the Holy Spirit is going to be, um, as he lovingly does, putting the pressure on us inside and putting a desire in us to somehow reach out beyond ourselves. So as the as the worship team comes up, I'm just gonna pray. We're gonna pray together. Um, this uh this challenge uh could end up being a huge flop and be ridiculous uh <laughs> that I'm even making it, unless the Holy Spirit is working inside of us. So I just want to encourage you all to join with me and pray, Holy Spirit, come and show me how I'm to reach out. Whether it's big and dramatic, whether it's small, uh, show me how I am to reach out. So Heavenly Father, we turn to You now. Lord, we want to be Your community. We want to reveal Jesus to the world, and we know that not us individuals, but us as a community, as a team, are your chosen means of revelation to the world. Almighty God, would you, would you show us, even now, I bet you are awakening and implanting desires and ideas and creative thinking in different people's minds right now, and some you won't be revealing it for months yet, but I just trust you're going to be revealing it. And I pray for courage, Lord. I know the devil doesn't want us to be a community. I know that he wants us to stay stuck in our selfishness, our self-centeredness. He wants us to stay self-absorbed or just absorbed with our own comforts, the the people and the community that makes us comfortable. And yet, and yet, Holy Spirit, you want to, you, you want to show the world what you're like by taking this ragtag group of Individuals and, and making us a community that looks like You. So Holy Spirit, come, we pray. We cannot do this apart from You. Spirit of God, work in us by Your almighty hand. And for some of us, this is the fire that many people prophesied about. Going through community is a fire. But Holy Spirit, help us remember, <laughs> Lord, the fire is there to perfect us and to cleanse us and purify us, not to destroy us. Holy Spirit, come.